Hello and welcome to the Lancet Oncology Podcast. I'm Hannah Cagney. Today we're discussing medulloblastoma, a malignant brain tumour of the central nervous system that occurs most often in children. This type of cancer is usually managed initially with aggressive surgical resection. However, in some cases, complete removal of the tumour is not possible, which is termed incomplete resection. Whether these patients have poorer survival, or indeed should be managed differently, is a controversial question. I'm joined on the line from Toronto by Michael Taylor, the author of a new study published in the Lancet Oncology that attempts to address some of these issues. Michael, could you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Michael Taylor. I'm a pediatric neurosurgeon and the Guerin Family Chair in Childhood Cancer Research at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto, Canada. Thanks, Michael. To start, could you tell us first a bit about the background of your study? So in children, the most common cancers are not the kind of cancers you see in adult like colon and breast and lung, but rather, in fact, they are cancers of the nervous system, particularly cancers of the brain. The most common malignant brain tumor in childhood is a disease called medulloblastoma that occurs in your cerebellum, which is the part of your brain that's right under your hand if you put your hand on the back of your head. That's the part of your brain that lets you have neat handwriting and ride a bike and get a good score when you play video games. When I started my practice in neurosurgery about 10 years ago, there was a disease called medulloblastoma that was described about 100 years ago by a neurosurgeon and his pathologist based on looking at cancers and little pieces of them that they'd taken out and looked at under the microscope. What we knew, though, was that this disease, this construct called medulloblastoma, was probably fairly heterogeneous because sometimes we saw medulloblastomas in babies, sometimes in teenagers, sometimes even in adulthood. We knew that some of the patients would live in current therapy and some of the patients would die with current therapy. We knew that some of the tumors would spread and others would not spread. Current therapy for the last 10 years has been maximal safe resection followed by irradiation of the entire brain and spinal cord and then high-dose chemotherapy often followed with autologous stem cell rescue. And when I say maximal safe resection, what I mean is you try to take the entire tumor out and leave only such a small amount that you can't see it on the MRI if you cannot remove it totally. In some cases, there's really small pieces left that we can't remove because they're stuck to something really important, like the brain stem, like a blood vessel, or like a cranial nerve. And the removal will cause serious neurological deficits in the child once they woke up. So what's become apparent in the last five years or so, based on work from my lab and a number of other laboratories around the world, is that there's no such thing as medulloblastoma. In fact, there are a number of diseases that look the same under the microscope, but if you look at them from a molecular biology standpoint, either their transcriptome or their DNA CPG methylome or their genetic events, they're clearly at least four completely different diseases. You used molecular subgroup to evaluate the prognostic value of resection extent. Why was this important? Over the years, there's been a large number of publications that tried to decide whether or not a complete resection was a good prognostic factor for children with medulloblastoma. There's probably about 20 or 30 papers. About half the time, the papers decided that complete resection was a good prognostic factor, and about half the time, the authors decided that it didn't really matter. We had this area of clinical equipoise based on these old studies in the pre-molecular era. 
we wondered if we could account for the differences between these two populations of manuscripts by remembering that there really is no such thing as medulloblastoma and accounting for molecular subgroups. Now, let's look at the main findings of your study. How do your results challenge current opinion, not only on resection extent, but also on different treatment strategies for medulloblastoma? So currently, the surgical approach is to try and take the entire tumour out if it's safe and to leave as little tumour as possible if it's not safe to take the entire tumour out. And we draw as surgeons and oncologists a line at 1.5 centimetres squared of residual tumour. So if you can't see any tumour, it's a gross total resection. If you can see less than 1.5 centimetres squared on the post-operative imaging, it's called a near total resection. And any more than that is called a subtotal resection. We know that, or we thought we knew, that gross total resection was the best thing. We thought that near total resection was not quite as good, but close, and that subtotal resection was a really bad thing. And so if someone had a subtotal resection, usually one of two things happened. They would go back to the operating room and have a second operation to try and take that piece out, which could have its own morbidity because reoperative surgery is more risky and has a higher incidence of complications. Or if the surgeon thought it was too risky to try and take that additional piece out, then the patient would receive an increased dose of craniospinal radiation. So instead of having just 24 gray to the entire brain and spinal cord, which in and of itself is a pretty nasty thing to have, the children would get 36 gray to the entire brain and spinal cord. And we have very good data out of Toronto by my colleague Don Mabbitt showing that your IQ is lower in the long run if you get 36 gray versus 24 gray. So when we looked at a very large collection of almost 800 medulloblastomas from around the world, where we're able to get clinical data and also determine the molecular subgroup, we saw that when we looked at the entire group that we saw the same thing people have seen in the past, that a gross total resection was better than not having a gross total resection. However, once we divided the medulloblastomas up into their four subgroups, or we used a multivariate analysis that included subgroup, the effect of surgery largely went away. In particular, there was no difference between a near-total resection and a gross-total resection, and there was little difference in most cases between a subtotal resection and a gross-total resection. So what this says to us is that we need to be cautious, because this is retrospective data, but we probably don't need to be as aggressive as surgeons to remove every last little bit of tumor in situations where it's not safe and it's going to cause neurological deficit for the child involved. Thank you. That is very interesting. It would also be interesting to know what were the main limitations to your study, and in light of these findings, what is the value of extent of resection as a prognostic variable? So the main limitation of our study is that it's a retrospective study. Our study included about 800 patients, which is almost 10 times bigger than any of the studies that have been done on extent of resection before it. But having said that, if we were to do a prospective trial to absolutely prove that extent of resection had no effect, our statisticians tell us that we'd need somewhere between 6,000 and 25,000 patients. All pediatric cancers are rare diseases, and medulloblastoma is a rare disease. And the idea of ever being able to do a prospective trial in somewhere between 6,000 and 25,000 patients is a little bit ridiculous and will just never happen. And to be honest with you, I'd find it really depressing to do such a study because I'm hoping we can ask much more exciting questions that are going to lead to larger improvements in our patients' quality of life than that. Looking to the future then, what steps do you think will be needed? And here, we're probably looking at both the paediatric neurosurgical and neuro-oncological communities. 
to help define the optimal treatment strategy for this disease. So across the world now, probably somewhere between 10 and 20% of children, depending on the center you're in, have incomplete resections of their medulloblastoma. We probably do need to run a clinical trial in those children to determine whether or not they merit having a higher dose of craniospinal radiation. It's going to be a trade-off of a possible risk of an increased chance of recurrence in the patients who get the lower dose of craniospinal radiation versus the virtually certain risk of a decreased functional outcome and decreased IQ in the children who get a higher dose of radiation and a theoretical and possible, but I don't really believe it, risk of increased chance of non-recurrence in the children who get the higher dose of radiation. So it's a balancing act. Do you want more radiation and higher chance of cure, which our paper would refute is probably not actually any higher at all? Or would you rather take a risk, perhaps at a slightly higher chance of recurrence, and having a better functional outcome and a higher IQ. Personally, I'd go with the latter, but that's a personal choice that patients and parents would have to make, and probably it should be addressed best in the setting of a randomized clinical trial. We've taken a disease that is very well characterized, considering how rare it is, medulloblastoma, and shown that what we thought we knew about it from a surgical standpoint really wasn't true because there's no such thing as medulloblastoma. There's these four different diseases. I will predict now that among many of the other types of brain tumors and other types of childhood cancer and even other types of adult cancer that a lot of what surgeons really think they know isn't true because we've been looking at these artificial constructs. And rather, once we start to break cancers down into their molecular subgroups, that we will see differing effects of the benefits of surgery that are not apparent when we just lump everything together. Michael, thank you very much for talking with us today. My pleasure. You can read the research article along with all our other content from The Lancet Oncology at thelancet.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye.